Mexican party. So you guys better come. <clears throat> I better see you there and bring lots of burritos. Because <clears throat> I like some burritos. So once again, Jamie has tasked me with another heavy topic to preach about. It's not easy for somebody to stand in front of you and preach about the things that you shouldn't do. Right? It's really easy to preach about the things that you should do because the things that you should do are seemingly easy to talk about and communicate. The things that we shouldn't do are things that are hard to communicate to each other. It's hard to tell. It's even hard for Angie, my wife, my beautiful wife, look at her, she's beautiful, to tell me the things that I shouldn't do because what happens when she tells me that? I put up a wall, right? So this morning, I want to lead you through some things. I want to guide you in a non-condemning way on temple keeping, on how to take care of the temple that you've been given. Now, this is a hard message for me because there is so much to talk about. And you guys know I'm a nerd when it comes to a few certain things, and I can go down a whole lot of rabbit holes contextually, biblically, phys- uh, physically, uh, nutrition-wise, all these things that I've studied and, and put into practice over the last seven or eight years came pouring out as I was preparing for this message. And once again, in true fashion, I completely re- re- rewrote every idea I had last night. <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to be hanging out <clears throat> in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. And before I go any further, I always want to... Uh, always want to be thankful that Jamie trusts me to be in this pulpit, that he trusts me to, to lead and guide you when he's off playing. But I did say, while the cat's away, the mice are going to play a little bit. So this morning, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I'm going to throw in a little bit of backstory on me. Some of you guys have heard our testimony, Angie and myself, but there are some aspects of that that I've never really delved into in front of you. So this morning, we'll take, we're also going to take a quick look at that. But first things first, I want to read through all this scripture. There's a bunch of it. I'm going to read through all of it right up front. We're going to be in Corinthians for the most part, bouncing around a little bit. This, is, this first section is the New King James Version, and that's really small. I apologize, but there's just so much. And for you guys watching online, good luck. <clears throat> so verse 12, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, New King James all things are lawful for me, lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now remember, this is Paul. This is Paul, my favorite ne'er-do-well thug in the Bible. Paul is giving us this. Verse 13, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods. Now real quick before I go past that, I want to explain something. In the time that this was written to the church of Corinth or, or Corinth, It was a time of lavish partying. It was a time of, what's the right word? Um, Living it up, YOLO, that's what they thought. So they were going after it. And basically that was a slang saying back in that time, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, meaning food was good for me, but also, man, it was so good. The food was something that I needed, but it also was something that was extremely pleasurable. This is all something that you can, you can dive in a little bit into on your own called Epicureanism. So, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. <clears throat> and we're going further. By the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And with what I just explained to you, you can take the context in that section too. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Remember that. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? I think not. Certainly not. Or do you know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. The he he is talking to there is Jesus. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, 
here we go. From this point forward, this is, this is the section that we're going to be leaning the heaviest on. Verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? I heard a right? For you were bought at a price. You guys are really quiet. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. So if you want to kind of put a, a check mark or a star, or if you've got a highlighter or you've got a digital Bible or however you want to do it, if you want to kind of mark or underline verses 19 or 20, that's where we're going to be today. And that's a really good place to hang out in in your quiet time and in your studying time to remember that you have been given a gift of a temple. Right? <clears throat> so we're going to talk about three things today. And I've got a lot... Mm, uh, beard hair. Hold on. And I got a lot of, a lot of stuff to get through. So we're going to blaze through some sections. But the three things that we're going to talk about today are, are: what is the temple? The three levels of health: spiritual, mental, and physical. And stewardship. Now, stewardship is really, really a profound thought when you really start to dig into it. <clears throat> it sounds simple but it's really powerful once you grasp what it truly means. So let's review a little bit of what we talked about last week. Um, we're in this month, the series Living Well. And if you couldn't tell from our announcements, our next, next month's series is a group therapy. So if you can put those two together, you can see that this year we are doing our best to teach and empower you to live well to be able to understand who you are, what you are, and how to steward what you've been given in Jesus, through Jesus, and by Jesus. So the review is, we are a spirit, we live in a body, and we possess a soul. We are triune, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Genesis 2.7 reminded us, He formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of God, and man became a living soul. So what we already see is we've been given a physical body that houses a spirit and possesses a soul, right? So that's where we're going to stop, and this is where I'm going to get into me, myself, and tell you a little story. <clears throat> I used to not have a temple that looked like this one. You guys have heard me talk about our testimony and our marriage and our growth through pain, hurt, and suffering. And you heard me mention the size and the health that I was in. Can we move on to the next picture? Slide there, Shane, when you get a chance or not. There we go. So this is me, 2015. The fellow holding the bass there is on a stage just outside of Nashville playing in front of a couple thousand people for a, a festival that was, the way we got paid was all the free whiskey we could drink. And I may have drank a bunch of it. My point is, that guy that you're looking there, although that picture doesn't really convey it, that guy right there weighs roughly 535 to 40 pounds. Six months later, that's about six or seven hours after having a surgery that would change my life. A moment that I would wake up from anesthesia and literally hear, literally hear the sound of a switch flipping in my life and be given a calling first and foremost to rebuild the temple, the one that I'd been given. <clears throat> the man that's in those pictures had no clue what self-value was, what the real price that was paid for me, or even that, I was, even that I would ever have the ability to stand in front of you today and do what the Lord had put in me to do. At that point in time, I didn't know that he was going to do this, this with me, right? 
my point in showing you this, I mean, it's a great testimony, and I'm very thankful for it, but the point in showing you that is the fact that that man on that stage had one thing in mind, and that was to go as fast and as far as he could with that instrument in his hand come hell or high water. There was love of self, love of food, love of drink, and love of many other things, right? So as we move forward, let's, let's talk about what is the temple. What, what, what is that exactly that I'd been given and didn't know that I had? So we saw in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul tells us that we are the temple. I'm going to read it again. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, right? So it's great. It says it there, but it also said it a little bit before that in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And if that's not enough, it said it just a little bit before 6.19 and 6.15. I stopped you there. Had you remember it? Do you not know your bodies, bodies are members of Christ himself? That this physical gift of temple that I've been giving to walk this earth with, with is a member of Christ himself. I can see it starting, I can see some eyes being reminded, and I can see some people in front of me starting to realize maybe a little bit deeper that he lives in you. What you need to know is that your body is a holy place. It's a temple for the living God to reside in. So why is that important? Anybody, speak up. Why is that important? Come on, let's participate a little bit here. Somebody's got to have an answer. So why is that an important thing? Or is the answer in front of you? It's not yet. Right? You guys are sleepy. You do this to me. That's good. I like that. See, when you see your body as the temple that has been created to be, you begin to see that you have a higher purpose because there's no other reason for you to be a temple for him to reside in unless he's got something to do with you. When you start to remember this and realize this and see the importance of this, you start to realize that you are a valuable commodity. That you are worth it. That you are amazing because he prayed an insurmountable price for us. Now think about that. Let that sink in. The things that you've paid lots and lots of money for, how do you feel about those? Seriously. Everybody under the sound of my voice, take an inventory for a second of something that you worked really hard for, you spent the money on, now how do you treat that? You're protective of it. You take care of it. Sometimes if you're like me and it has two wheels, you spend way too much time talking to it. Right? We can even develop relationships with things that we've spent money on that we cherish. Inanimate objects have names like Rosie, my Harley, right? Or Pedro, my chopper, right? We value those things. So if that's the case, then how much does he value you? Right. <clears throat> you were bought at a price, so therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Verse 620. So let's move forward into the three levels of healthy living and temple keeping. The first one that I want to talk about today is spiritual health. 
And I think, I think for me, I started to know that I was becoming spiritually well when my actions became more consistent with my beliefs and my values. Because you can believe something and you can value it, but you may not necessarily be spiritually mature and healthy just yet. Right? So how did I get to that point where my walk started to align with what I knew and what I believed? Let's think of David for a second. Now, David is, is one of my all-time favorite people in the Bible. He's a very close second to Paul. I really, really believe that Paul and I would have got along very well. Either that or he would have beat me up. Right? But let's think about David. Now, I identify with David because David was a worshiper, and I'm a worshiper at heart. When all else fails, the only thing that I know to do is worship. But David also had some demons in his mind. Now, when I'm saying demons, I'm not saying he was possessed or the Satan and had control of it. I'm not going down that path. I'm just using it as a contextual thing that we would say today in our vernacular that he had some demons. He had some baggage. He had some cuckoo up here. Right? We can read through the things that he did. He wasn't a perfect man, yet God said he was a man after his own heart. Now, why would God say that about David? Nobody got an answer. Because we can go through the Psalms, we can look through the Psalms, and we can see time after time after time, David taking time to spend with the Lord, to cry out to God. Even in his hurt, in his craziest moments, he gave time to worship through whatever was happening. David invested in his spiritual health. David was, was intentional about his relationship with God. As we see in much of the Psalms, I just said that his desire for spiritual healing was of benefit, not just to him. Let me say that again. His desire for spiritual healing was of benefit, not just for him, but for a whole nation. Because I believe deep down he knew the, the, the calling of leadership he had on his heart. And you can go back in Samuel and, and, and through those books and read the amazing heart that David had. David showed us that this is an essential part of spiritual health is to maintain constant communication with God. Now, this is where I like to talk about the old church lady. Every time I preach, I get to talk about the old church lady. Why? Because worship is that important. Because there's no message that we can bring to you from this pulpit that doesn't somehow involve worship. Why? Like we talked about the last time I preached, worship is the proper response in everything that you do. In times of hurt, in times of pain, in times of sorrow, in times of joy, in times of I have no clue what to do. Worship is the proper response. Jesus taught in Luke 18, 1 through 8, I'm, I'm summarizing and paraphrasing at this point. Men always ought to pray and never lose heart. See, the world that we live in is fast. It's surrounded by technology. It's surrounded by news. It's surrounded by bad things. That's, how, many, how many of us here can really say that we have a 100% positive day 24 hours a day. Right. You can't. If you, even if you don't have cable, if you turn on the, the, the internets at any point in time, get on the webs, and you start to see any sort of thing come up, come up. your Facebook feed, somebody's negative, somebody's mad, somebody's mad at this person. You go to Instagram, this, 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 and God forbid that you get into the news too early in the morning. Right? Jesus said, Men always ought to pray and never lose heart. So what's the importance of prayer there? The importance of prayer is prayer becomes worship. Because anytime we open our mouth and start to communicate to Him, we're returning that breath of God that we talked about so much last year, last November about. We're returning it back to Him. This draws us to God and makes us yearn for Him even more. When we started a relationship, Back, back in the very, 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 very beginning, we yearned for each other the more time we spent with each other. You know, if I'm not mistaken, we're called the bride of Christ. 
And just very similar to this relationship, he yearns for us. And so when we get with him, that yearning becomes part of us. So what are the things that we can do to build out our spiritual health? It's much like a muscle. And we've talked about faith being a muscle. It's much like a muscle. Our spiritual health needs work. Right? Now, God's a miraculous God. The Holy Spirit can swoop through and heal somebody in an instant. I've seen the things happen, right? Sometimes we have to put in a little bit of work. So what are the things that we can do? The things that I do, not perfectly. Now, you guys have heard me talk the last few times I've preached and spoken is about the first 15, and I challenged you guys to give that a try. How many here actually did that? One. See, in that challenge, I challenged you to take the first 15 minutes of your day and spend five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer, and five minutes in the Word. And I made you a promise that if you did that, that 15 would turn into 20 in a week. And then 25, and then 30, and the next thing you know, you've got an hour, and then you're, you're actually like, oh, whoa, 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 Papa, i got to get to work. Right? But the things that we can do that help steward our spiritual health are daily time in the Word. Right? Now, this is easy in our day and time. It doesn't have to be hard. We've got them everywhere. We've got Bibles here and on my phone. And I, got, I actually brought my, my real Bible. The last two times I've ran out without it. <clears throat> and I have it open to my scripture. I'm growing up. Right? You guys are not having fun this morning. I'm having fun. Right? But it's everywhere. We, we spend a little bit of time. I'm not talking an hour just reading the Word. Five minutes, two minutes. If you can't do 15, do two minutes. Do one minute. Do 30 seconds. Read one verse. The Bible app will give you one a day. Whoa. <laughs> it's there waiting for you. It will even remind you at the time you tell it. Read this at 5 a.m. Or however you set it up. Daily time in prayer. Now, that doesn't have to be, again, in 5, 10, 20 minutes, first thing in the morning, although that's when I like to do it. But it can be all day, just like the little church lady. Constantly worshiping in prayer, that parking spot that magically showed up right up front on Black Friday. Thank you, Jesus. Right? All these little things that we can give thankful in prayer for, these little things that are happening. You drive past an accident, you can pray. It takes an instant to say, Lord, touch whatever happened. Whoever needs it, you know the need. Daily worship. We just talked about that a little bit. Giving thanks for everything that he's lined out in front of you every day because he orders our steps. There's not a single moment that passes past us in the, in the lineage of time that he hasn't had some sort of plan for us within. It takes just a moment to say, thank you, Jesus. When that person slams on the brakes and you see the lights and you hit yours, thank you, Jesus. You know? Time and fellowship with our brothers and our sisters. This is very, 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 going to keep going if you don't get it. Very, very, very important. Now, <clears throat> myself, that guy that was up there was very good at being alone. I liked it more than anything. And if I'm being transparent and open and honest with you this morning, I still like being alone. I also know it's really bad for me. That the more time I'm often by myself, the more reclusive I get, the more inward I get, the more I forget about the blessings and the honor and the things that he's doing from other people's life because it reminds me as a mirror what he's doing in mine. Fellowship with our brothers and sisters is a very important thing. It, it can be as simple as a quick phone call. It can be as simple as a quick text. I like to use Justin Waybright as an example, apparently, every time I preach, but he sends me a text every once in a while just to say, hey, what's up? You know, I have thankful that I have people that oversee into my life that just send me a message daily, love you. From man to man, love you. That simple. That's fellowship. That reminds us of the love that he has for us. Because if somebody else who was created in his image can take a second and say, I love you, then he must love me too. 
At least that's how my brain sees it. And lastly, sharing is caring. One of the best ways through fellowship, study, and prayer that we can grow spiritually and develop spiritual health is talking about our faith. Not being afraid to tell people who we are, what we are, what the price that was paid for us. That's also very, very, very important. And it can be just as simple as explaining the miracle of that item that got rung up being free to the person in front of you. My Lord is living me in abundance, right? So let's move on. Mental health. Now, this is something the Bible doesn't specifically speak on. It doesn't go directly at any point in time and talk about mental health. But it does talk a lot about, the, a lot about different aspects of mental health. Now, we live in a day and age when mental health is, is, is under the microscope, and I've heard, I've heard a lot of people talk about how easily it, easy it is for somebody to say, I'm depressed, I've got anxiety, I've got all this stuff. And while I don't necessarily disagree with it, it's become a catchphrase. I also know that the world that we lived in, live in currently now is causing way more of it. That the fact that we're inherently able to be a lot meaner to each other than we've ever been, in the history of us on the earth. I, I like to go back and watch videos from the 40s and the 50s and newscasts and all these. I just love old radio. I love old media because, as you guys know, I'm a media nerd, and I love to see how far we've came, and I also really love the way the old things look. But I look at the times and the streets and the people and you can, you can watch old videos of busy cities in black and white in the late 40s of people just being congregated with, with each other, even in New York City, stopping, shaking hands, talking to each other. You can see it. But if you go watch something from today from New York City, you see people beeline straight. New York City is known to be one of the meanest places on the earth. I've been there. I love it, but it's, people are rude. Right? We can see it all through media and TV and movies. Love is not the most important thing. We don't talk about how much we care and love each other anymore. You know, we've taught and, 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 and spoken in the past numerous times how important mental health is and how it can be directly affect us physically and spiritually. See, our mind controls our body. Stress will kill you. It's scientifically proven. You can read the studies. Stress can... Uh, five or six years ago, I was in a very bad situation at work. Very bad situation. I'm not going to go into the, 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 the extreme details, but I, had, I was put in a position with a lot of pressure on me and somebody being physical with me in a, in a very inappropriate manner. And it caused me over the weeks to develop a shell and start to live within that shell and start to develop anxiety and depression about even being in front of this person. And one day it came to a head which looked like a heart attack. Now I say it looked like a heart attack because I had a watch on at the time that, that said your heart rate's way up, your heart rate's way up, your heart rate's way up. So I texted this nurse and I sent her a picture of what it was saying and she was like, hospital now. So like an idiot, I drove. And when I got to the hospital, they rushed me right in from, from the walk-in the walk room or whatever that's called, the waiting room. And, and they said, you're, you're having a heart attack. Your blood pressure is like, why what was it, like 199 over 99? It was nuts. It was like, oh, why did it not explode? Well, they give me nitroglycerin and they give me Ativan. And the next thing you know, I'm cool as a cucumber and ready to rot. I'd had a panic attack that mimicked a massive heart attack. And they went further and did all the tests, and there was no damage, and my heart was good to go. But my body re reacted in such an illicit manner physically, directly derived from the stress and the anxiety that I was going through. But 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
just like that fellowship we spoke about in spiritual health, you develop relationships with people through fellowship, and then you also get the ability through Jesus to cast your cares to them because they care about you. She cares about me. He cares about me. She cares about me. He cares about me. I care. I hope you guys know just how much I love you. I wasn't going to do this. Okay. Moving on, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We've, we've heard this one a lot. This is one of my favorite ones because it's so easy to throw it at somebody when they're not doing the right thing. But we can take it out of context too. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart, your minds in Christ Jesus. I read it that fast with that loud voice and that attitude because that's how we tell people to use it when they're having a problem. We toss it out with no care behind it, right? But when we really look at it, do not be anxious about anything but in every, not just some situations, every situations. And we know that when the Bible says every or all, it means that, right? Those are the words that translate very clearly to just that. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So what I see there is a roadmap of how exactly when I'm having these problems of anxiety and depression, how to give it to God to say, I need you. That's prayer, but the need you part is petition. I need you, Father. I need you to come into this situation. I need you to remind me exactly who I am and what your plan is for me. And I'm thankful that you've chosen me and that you've already done the work in my life. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. How many have experienced that peace? Come on, let's see some hands. How many have experienced that sudden rush of peace that makes no sense in the situation you're in? There's no other answer or reason other than it's him. That peace will guard your heart and your minds in Jesus Christ. So what else can we do? Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. When we focus our eyes on the things that we know are true, we know are good, we know are Him, there's no other response than joy. When I think about the price that he paid for me to be here in front of you today, I go from being scared crapless about putting this message together and being in front of you to thankful and overjoyed that I'm going to get to come trip over my words, sound like a fool, and laugh with you. So let's be practical. What does that really, really look like? Two things, and I messed up my graphics so I don't have my next part. So I'll just tell you the two things that we can do to really help us build our mental health. Guess what? They're study. Because when we get into his word, this living word, it doesn't matter from the front to the back. And we look for, guess who, Jesus? things are starting to make sense because Jesus is love. Even in the types and shadows in the Old Testament, when we start to understand how to see that and he aligns that for us, we start to see how the world was preparing for his coming anyway. And the next is, guess what it is? It's pray. It's really simple. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes medication or therapists or counseling or seeing a psychologist or a psychiatricologist is against what God wants us to do because I don't think they would be here if not for a reason. Sometimes we need the physical help with the mental. So the third thing you can do is ask for help. 
You can do it to a Christian brother or sister, a real brother or sister, anybody that you trust and love, a doctor, a family member. If you don't have anybody, a stranger, you can ask for help. We've lost way too many people over the last few years because they didn't ask. So next, the real touchy subject, physical health. This is, this is something you don't hear preached about very often. Physical health. What, because all things are lawful for me. Then what does it matter? If my God's miraculous and he's a healer, then what does this physical temporary temple mean? What's the point? Why sweat and struggle to be fit? You can obviously see that I don't stretch and struggle a whole lot, right? But I have to work to keep myself from reverting to the man that you saw because I know that that man couldn't do what this man does today. That physical shape and form of the temple that I'd been given couldn't keep up with the demands of being a pastor, with the demands of being a brother, with the demands of being anything on this earth. Now, it's very easy for some of the things I'm about to say to sound full of condemnation. Understand, I mean none of it that way, okay? And I worked really hard to craft this section to be as sweet and as nice as I can because guess what? I still struggle with these things too. There's a word, starts with a G. How many know what word I'm about to say? Uh -huh, he knows. Gluttony, right? I didn't even put it in my notes because I was too scared to say it, right? It's become a normal thing. I was listening to a sermon not too long ago by this pastor. I can't remember his name, but he was preaching on gluttony specifically. And I was, I was anxious to see how mean he was going to get. He was very polite and he was very loving the whole time. It was a really good message. I wish I could remember the name of the church. But he had a good point. He called it a white-collar sin. Now think about that for a second. Now, I, to me, what that sounds like, it's become normal, right? We live in the fast world. It's a lot easier and sometimes, sadly, way more affordable for me to go to Burger King than it is to go to the grocery store and buy some food, right? It's even sometimes cheaper than for me to go grow my own food because I live in the city. It's become something so normal that's become a normal way of life for us, right? And the fella that I showed you he had no problem polishing off a whole pizza and a whole order of wings and then doing it again just a little bit later. I can remember going through a very, very tumultuous time physically where I was very, very sick some 15 years ago and she was bringing me a couple pizzas and like 50 count of wings and I was pounding all of it and I was near death. Dying from a flesh-eating, not dying, but getting eat away by a flesh-eating bacteria to the point I couldn't leave my house and all I did was lay and eat. Why? Because it brought me comfort that helped my mental health. I allowed it to become an idol in my life. So let's look at this biblically, right? Because I can talk all day till I'm blue in the face, but if I can't prove it in the book, then what's the point? 1 Corinthians 11.31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God, right? Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is the health of the body. So I'm going to say that again because you're quiet. A joyful heart is the health of the body, but a depressed spirit dries up like bones. Now, how many of you here can tell the difference between a salad and a piece of pizza when you eat it and how it makes your body feel? 
There's a difference between the things that God made and the things that man make when we put them in our mouth. There's a difference between when I drink a soda, which I've done a lot more of recently, freaking root beer, than when I drink a glass of water. There's also markers that my temple will tell me. Eat a salad, dummy. Drink some water. I can remember years ago when I first tried to really lose weight, we had watched a a documentary called Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. I think my dad had sent it to us. My dad, my father, is always on some sort of new health kick. So he sent that to me. We watched it. We, We bought the Jack LaLanne juicing machine, and we started juicing everything we could get our hands on, making the ever famous green juice. Gallons of this we would make and I would drink. I don't even remember. It was like kale and celery and spinach and apples and now I've come to love that, but in the beginning, oh man, it was an acquired taste, especially when you put ginger in it. But I will tell you this that when you drank it, yeah, you felt like I could move a mountain on my own, right? Proverbs 17.22, I already read that one. Uh, Corinthian, 1 Corinthians 3.16, guess what? We're back to that. Don't you know that yourselves, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And 1 Corinthians 6.15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So if those two things are true, why would I not feed Jesus some good food? <laughs> Funny, right? I make a joke about it, but that's how I think about it. So, We are in the middle. There's a business card that I need to keep. We are in the middle of January, right smack in the middle of it. It's January 15th. We have just come through the season of peanut butter fudge. Chocolate pies, but I could care less about your chocolate pie. Peanut butter fudge. My wife makes peanut butter fudge that is laced with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So every year, I plan on being a little bit thinner before Thanksgiving and gaining 10 to 15 pounds up to this point. Now, it's at this point where I get to make a decision. I get to make a choice. Do I lose those 10 to 15 pounds again or do I keep eating the sugar? Because guess what happens? Sugar becomes addictive. You'll wake up in the middle of the night wanting it and craving it, a lot like some of the other things that I used to want and crave in my life. You wake up needing it and wanting it. You get headaches when you take it out of your life. The other thing that I do a lot of and drink way too much of is coffee. And I've gotten to the point recently that when I go, pa- go past a few hours of not drinking it, I get a headache because I've allowed the caffeine to take control, right? But I know what the markers and the things that tell me that because I've spent time learning what my body says to me and how it says it. Now, when I was really big, I had no clue what hunger was. I remember when I'd lost that first year 330-some pounds, 20-some pounds, I don't know, a whole bunch of pounds. I'd lost those pounds, and all of a sudden, one day, I was like, oh, so is something real wrong? We got to go back to the hospital. This is not a joke. I'm being serious. I was hungry. I don't think until that day I'd ever experienced actual hunger pains in my life. Because after that surgery, what they had done to my body, my body would sometimes not know when to eat. So I had to start eating on a schedule until my body learned how to do it again. And I'd went way too long without putting any sort of sustenance in my body. And my body said, this is the first time. Hey, the hormones back. Feel that, punk. It's a physical thing. How many of you guys have actually felt physical hunger lately? Right. We've become programmed. Food's comforting. We go to it for spiritual mending. We go to it for mental mending. We go to it for physical mending. And that's the great thing is food can also be medicine. Right? 
So what can we do to keep our temple physically clean? See, I could, I could talk about this section for days and days and days, so we need to move on. God gave us physical bodies so that he, his spirit, has a place to reside. We've already said that, and I'm telling you again because it's that important to remember it. God has a specific plan for how he wants to use our bodies for his greater purpose. Now, with everything that I'm talking about and explaining that I'm trying to do my best to be as non-condemning as possible, we have to understand that just because we know that God wants us to be as healthy as we can, sometimes there are things that get in the way of that, things outside of our control. There is a thing called disease. But even through those moments and those times and those, those afflictions that come into our life that we have no control over, we still can make choices to feed it healthier not only with the physical food, right, but with our mind food and our spiritual food. We're going to get more into that as I tie this up. So the things that we can do to keep it nice and tidy are obviously proper nutrition, exercise, and the most important one of all, and I'm horrible, 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 horrible at this, rest, the four-letter word. It's a cuss word in ministry, rest. We hate rest because that means if we've gotten to the point where we absolutely need it, we've pushed ourselves too far. See, rest is that thing that you need to give yourself in little increments constantly in order to stay spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, and physically healthy. The magical thing happened. I say magical because it was to me that when I went through the process that I went through to lose the weight that I've lost, the first thing that I had to do was go to a sleep clinic. If this doesn't tell you how important rest is, now, this is an example in sleep, but also time away from your calling, time away from what you're doing on a daily basis, paired with this, is rest. But I went to the sleep clinic, and when I went to sleep, they told me that it was unbelievable that I was still alive within the first 15 minutes of being asleep because within that 15 minutes of sleep, I stopped breathing some couple hundred times and my oxygen level went from like a resting 97 to nearly 50. I should have died in my sleep. They were ready with the oxygen and to do the things and call the ambulance. So they woke me up and said, whoa, 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 you're not sleeping on your own ever again. Here's a machine. So they set me up with this machine. Gosh, the evil machine. And I had tried this before. I'd had sleep studies before, and I didn't have the money or the insurance to get it taken care of properly, so I got happen, like hand-me-down stuff, and it just never worked for me. But this time, they set me up and programmed it to work exactly for me. And that first night that I slept at home on my own, I remember waking up a full hours of sleep, not gasping for air, not with a headache, not feeling like I had ran a marathon and been shot at, I've been in war. I woke up going, whoa, 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 this feels good. I don't know if I remember what this feels like. And so I had to use this machine for three months prior to the surgery that I would have so I would be able to be on the respirators and breathe properly with an anesthesiologist and lose some weight. But guess what? Just by sleeping, I had a surgery that removed 85% of my stomach and allowed me to lose the weight very quickly. So that three months from the time I got that machine until the first surgery, I said, game on, let's eat it all. Because I knew I wasn't ever going to be able to again. So I ate everything I could. And just by sleeping, I lost 50 pounds. 50. I did nothing different. In fact, I think I might have stuffed myself more. And my body could never repair itself. It couldn't heal itself. If you do yourself a favor and look up the benefits of sleep, go a deep dive on YouTube and let some really smart doctors tell you how important rest is. Because that's when our body gets repaired. That's when our body rebuilds the cells. That's when our body starts to put pieces of the temple that have been knocked down back together. So this is all important and it's great, but we have a calling in all this to steward it. So what is stewardship? 
Stewardship is the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving, just like I steward my Harley Davidson. There was a hefty price paid for it, so I'd take care of it. I wash it sometimes. I ride it. I put oil in it. I put gas in it. I make sure it's good to go. I talk to it. I steward it. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, we saw in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart and with your soul and with your mind. This is the first and the greatest, and the second is like it. Now, this is going to be a tough one. Okay, so hear me. Hear me when I tell you these things. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. The first is the greatest commandment, and the second, like it, is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we see he's really saying love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I'm going to ask you a really tough question. What if you really did love your neighbor as you loved yourself? What would our church look like if you really put the effort you put into yourself into someone else. Now, if you're not seeing it, what I'm saying is, what would it look like if we could care less about the people around us? Because I feel like sometimes we could care less about ourselves. I know that sometimes if I treated the people that are in front of me and under the sound of the voice, under the sound of my voice, the way I treat myself, you would not like me very much. Self-talk physical talk, mental talk, spiritual lacking, the times I go through ruts. If I treated you the way I treat myself, what Jesus is saying there is we need to love ourselves just as much as we would want to love our brothers and our sisters. That in order to effectively carry out the calling of caring this temple around on this earth, we have to understand how to love it and take care of it. 2,000 years ago, most of the time, the cities were built with something called walls. We've talked about that. There are stories in the Bible of walls being torn down miraculously. Right? They also had gates. Temples were often surrounded by a wall and a gate. Why? They had a reason they wanted to protect it. And why did it have a gate? They wanted to monitor monitor what was coming in and what was going out. What if I told you your temple had a wall? You can touch it. You can pinch it. You can flick it. And what if I told you it had a set of gates? Eye gates, ear gates, mouth gates. What if I told you you had the opportunity and the choice to monitor what goes in and out of those gates? Two of those gates only receive. That's not 100% true, but the eyes and the ears. What if you took time to put little, little teeny tiny soldiers at your eye gates and your ear gates to monitor what was coming in, right? For that spiritual and that mental health. Now, the other gate, it's, it, it's a going in and going out gate. It's our mouth. What if we took time to monitor, most importantly, the things that are coming out of our mouth? Yeah. We talked about this last time I spoke with you guys about the power of returning breath to God. That just his name, Yahweh, was an in-breath and an out-breath. If God designed us to say his name every time we breathe, I think maybe we could take some time to think about the other things we lay on top of his name. Right? I want to hammer down this point that And we don't talk about it enough, but our number one priority and calling is to honor our Father. Is to worship our Father, to follow our Father. You want to come make the pretty sounds? It's that time where we get the pretty sounds. Right? 
And for me to get to where I am physically today in front of you, I had to have a realization that I needed to respect the gift that I'd been given, that I needed to learn how to steward the physical that he had laid upon me because he had a calling for me. Now, the further I went down in that walk, I lost the weight really, really fast. And as you guys have heard in some of my prior testimonies and sermons, that led to some issues and problems. Now, the reason it led to some issues and problems of of addiction and, and infidelity and those sort of things is because I didn't understand how to properly operate the gates that I'd been given. I didn't realize that the sexual immorality and the things that I was living in coming in my, my, my eye gates and my ear gates were teaching me things that were untrue about myself and the world around me. You're not worth it. Your marriage is never going to get fixed. You're never going to be amount to anything. There's nothing that you can do. That was until he started to really knock on my door and start to speak things through men of God to me. When men of God started telling me that there were going to be hundreds, if not thousands, under the sound of my voice someday that would hear me talk about the love of Christ, I laughed at them and then ran and cried about it. The first few times that I ever led worship and somebody came up to me and said, good job, I ran out of the church because I couldn't handle somebody telling me I did good. Because I didn't want the glory to come from him because all of us to be taken away from him because all of a sudden I realized how precious this gift is. Now, I'm not perfect at taking care of it and none of us ever will ever will be because we are a little bit broken. We're easily led astray. We're, we easily lose focus on things because we're human and it's kind of a beautiful thing if you really think about it. Because sometimes those inherent flaws lead us to some beautiful testimonies and to some beautiful things we may never came across. So I can't help but think that the reason it's hard is by design, to make it all that much more worth it. Because I know that everything that I have in my life that I've had to work for was hard. That was that saying, anything worth having is hard, right? Well... Let me tell you a little story. Anything worth having, having a relationship and life with Jesus is hard. It's not an easy thing. When we start to really profess and know him in our hearts, it becomes hard. Why? Because anything worth having is hard. We'll stand to our feet and I'll begin to close us out. This was probably one of the hardest messages for me to put together. Now, I, I, I've said that the last couple times I've, I've preached and spoke here because they keep, they keep seeming to build and build and build. Now, this is one of the first times that Jamie has given me a specific topic to run with because he knew that it was near and dear to my heart. But as I started to dive into it and dig into it, I realized how easy it would be for me to get in front of you and say, you guys are horrible. You don't take care of yourself. You're going to die too soon before you get to do the work that Christ has given you. I could be very mean about this because guess what? I'd been taught all those things and told all those things. The fact of the matter is our health, both spiritually or mentally and physically, takes work. It doesn't happen overnight. We have to lean into it. It's like building a house. And sometimes we have to tear down a few walls and make room for him to come back and show us. Now I mistook there and said, come back. He never leaves. But sometimes we have to make room and tear down some walls inside of us so that we can actually see that he's still there. So, as we move into this, this next section, I want to open the altar up again. I, I feel like there's a fear associated with coming. That sometimes just coming up here, whether you're having a pressing moment or need, is an act of worship just to come sit and kneel. Sometimes that motion that you'll take will help somebody else break through a moment and tear down a wall they didn't know they had. So as we move into this and Jennifer sings, this is open. And if you want to come pray, 
about taking a step into a new way of mind and into a new life, into making room for him to show you exactly what your worth is, now is the time. I'm here, I'm willing and ready and wanting to pray with you on this. And if you're under the sound of my voice and you need to come to the altar, you can get a hold of us on Facebook. You can get a hold of us through the prayer garden. You can get a hold of me directly, Frank Miller, on Facebook, and I'll happily talk to you and pray. Father, allow this moment to be a moment where people are reminded how important and invaluable they are, that you decided to make us temples for your spirit to live in. Father, let this moment be a time where people can come, just kneel at this altar and give their hearts to you so that they may open doors, open windows, and tear down walls and move forward in your goodness. Father, we love you. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name.